0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Frustrated Fans, where we're venting frustrations. One... Actually, we're not really venting that many frustrations this time, but we're usually doing it one franchise at a time. I'm Jeremy.
1: I'm Pete. Well, if you count the fact that we're trying to promote games that were underperformed, that's frustrating. We're frustrated about that.
0: Yeah, this is true. I am frustrated that not every single person on the planet has played the game I'm talking about today.
1: Which I still haven't touched.
0: Which you're going to. Make me. I, okay, I'll gift it to you on Steam. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Have
1: you seen my unplayed Steam list? It's expensive. After You're, sales.
0: Dude, last time, I, when I actually got this game for the second time, it was through a Humble Bundle thing, and since at the time I still had my 360, I was tempted just to give you the code for it. But then I got rid of my 360, and I was like, I want another version of this well, game. Well, more
1: like your 360 finally crapped out.
0: No, I, well, the... So the fourth and final one didn't completely crap out. It just crapped itself every time it tried to do something online, which if you've ever used an Xbox 360, that's everything. So, yeah. Thanks, Microsoft. Thanks a lot. Xbox One sucks, by the way. I'll be getting into that when we get to our year-end shit. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about two games that really, like, either didn't, we're going to talk about hidden gems, basically. Games that either didn't get a huge amount of publicity, or kind of flew under the radar for reviewers, you know, or got really good reviews. People really liked them, and just nobody played them. You know, kind of like some really good movies that should have been seen by more people. You know, like Dread! Yep. I'll agree to that one. Okay, so today, I'm going to be talking about Dust in Elysian Tale. Pete, what game are you going to be talking about? Home.
1: That's it. Just home. It's by a guy by the name of Benjamin Rivers. That's it. It's one <laughs> he of did the whole thing? published the deals.
0: So, oh, nice. My game was it was developed by a gr- uh, technically a group, I guess you could call it called Humble Hearts, and it was published by Humble Hearts and Microsoft Studios, so you could say like, "Oh, it's published by Microsoft. It's got a big big game." It was a downloadable game. It was not a huge retail release. It was designed, written, and developed by one person, Dean Dodrill. In fact, he did, outside of some writing and the music and voice acting, he did everything for the game.
1: Hmm.
0: And the game got released on the 360, Windows, PS, recently on the PS4 last year. And apparently there's an iOS version, which I need to check out. Unless it's iPad only, in mm-hmm. which case... Maybe I, can I can't check it out. Yeah,
1: I just replaced the battery on my iPhone today. Yeah, Apple. What are you gonna do? I cracked up on my iPhone. Granted, it's three years and out of warranty, so if I'd freshly, it would have
0: been on me. All they're gonna do is shrug and go buy a
1: new one. We want more money. Oh, this yeah, this recent crap of they no longer subs uh, carriers are no longer subsidizing phones, so it's seven hundred fifty bucks just for an iPhone now. Unless you want to go pay by forever to the end of time by month and pay more. Yeah, really good, Apple. And Google's no different with Android. Wow, where did Somebody's that come from? Somebody's bitter. A little, yeah. Want to know how much <laughs> it cost me to replace the battery on my iPhone? Too much? 25 bucks. Ouch. Not really. A battery. Yeah.
0: Was it like some special Apple battery?
1: Uh, third party.
0: Okay. Oh, God, then I don't even want to... No, if it was an Apple battery, it would have been like $100. Oh,
1: and would have had Chrome, yes.
0: Yeah. So with my game, Dust, its obscurity level of it is, I'd say, a little bit low. It was, so Microsoft did promote it as part of their Summer of Arcade in 2012, where what they would do is they would release four games. like Four games would come out on Xbox Live Arcade, and they would get like big promotions and things like that. Microsoft would push them. And I think they did, like, discount deals on them, too. And it also received really good reviews from critics. And it has actually moved over a million downloads, thanks to multiple platforms. And like I said, it showed up on the Humble Bundle at one point. But it's also the definition of an indie game with, like I said, pretty much one person did almost the entire thing. And it might not be too hidden because of its availability, it's still a great game that I think deserves a bigger audience than it's had. Uh, I think being just download only on the consoles has hurt it a little bit. Like it wasn't even on the PS3, also. And I go back, like I think it also got some good promotion from Giant Bomb back in 2012. Is it actually was a runner-up for their best story of 2012? Huh. And like to quote the final line of the review from Brad Shoemaker. Cramming this many elements into a single downloadable game seems like an audacious move, but Dust pulls it off with confidence, style, and heart, resulting in a game that deserves to be played by a lot of people.
1: So how is this game set up? How does it work?
0: Okay, so you've played, like, Symphony of the Night, right? Yeah,
1: sure. It's similar to that. The Metroidvania.
0: Yeah, it's it's similar to that in some ways. Uh, It uses, like, a hack-and-slash system, which does expand beyond just cram the attack button until everything's not there anymore. You build combos in the game, which is actually a large part of the gameplay system, where the higher your combo gets, the better XP bonus you receive. And experience you get to spend on upgrading your health, defense, attack, and your special ability. And you get a few basic combos, like basically attack, attack, kind of a fierce attack where you grab an enemy and throw them onto the ground. You can do air combos, but the big thing is the Dust Storm ability, where Dust will spin his, uh, his sword in front of him. And you can combine this with, like, little energy ball things from your little companion that flies around you, Fidget. And so you get to just, like, fill the screen with, like, either pillars of fire, lightning, or just, like, little energy things. And it helps you, of course, do damage to stuff. And but once in a while, it can get a little too busy to keep track of everything. But this also builds up your combo meter. And the enemies in this game are, very, are pretty well varied, like, and they start off easy, and eventually you learn a bit of a parry system where when an enemy attacks you, if you attack back at the exact moment, you'll get like a big flash, and the enemy becomes stunned, and you do double damage to it. And this is the only way to kill some of the enemies in the game is they're either too strong or block your attacks. And the bosses in this game are also pretty good, The only one I could probably knock a little bit is the final boss, where it – you know, like a lot of final bosses, they go through like two or three different stages of – Yeah, sure. It's pretty standard. Yeah, like Mega Man, stuff like that. This one, you do fight the boss like three times, but only the surrounding stuff changes with each time. Like the boss's pattern doesn't really change. The attacks don't really change. It's just what's going on in the background. Like the very first part is just a bit of a duel. Then there's a bunch of enemies and stuff, and you're on a different – you're at least in a different location. Like you're, you're able to jump around a little bit more with the platforming. And then the final part, it just looks epic, but it's still you're fighting the same guy, and it's still the same attack pattern. All right. And the other part is platforming and exploration, kind of like Symphony of the Night. The major difference between that is, unlike Symphony of the Night, which has had a gigantic map, this one splits it off into smaller areas, and you select them on a world map. And each area has its own little secrets, like treasure chests and things like that. And you can even find little hidden uh, guest characters that just like, boost your health when you find them. You can find, like, Super Meat Boy. Huh. Ah. Yep. And it's actually kind of cool because, like I said, with the combo system, so I don't really care about, like, achievements and stuff, but you get an achievement for doing a thousand-hit combo. The thing is, the game actually kind of drives you to do it because you do little quests for different NPCs, and one of the quests is, like, this impressionable little kid wants you to do a thousand-hit combo just because you're so cool.
1: Well, I guess it's better than an escort quest. God, how many games have those
0: ever? (laughs) Yeah, no escort quests in this game. And the controls are really good, and it works with the animation of the game. I personally prefer the PS4 version just because I like that controller better, Uh, because it's 2D. Of course, you're going to use the D-pad. You can use the left analog stick if you want, but I still don't get games that are 2D and use analog sticks. That's just a personal pet peeve of mine. And I like the PS4 version because the PS4 has a much better D-pad than the 360 controller. Uh, everything is mapped to a button that makes sense. It's really easy to use. It's one of those games where it's easy to jump into, tough to master, which is, you know, the best type of game. And before I get into the non-gameplay segments, we're going to take our first break. All right, so... Probably the first thing you'll notice about Dust is the visuals of this game. They are really good. It's all, like, hand-drawn art. The backgrounds are all hand-drawn. The characters animate beautifully. Dust, when he fights in battle, it's very graceful movement. Like, there's not just, like, slash, slash, kill, that sort of thing. It's He fights, you know, with very well-animated attacks. But it never feels like the animation gets in the way of, you know how good you can be in battle. And so there's one thing that back when this first came out, there was like a little bit of, I won't say controversy, but just kind of like off-putting for some people. All of the characters in this game are like anthropomorphized animals.
1: Uh, yeah, I can see where that
0: would... Yeah, that would, I understand that, I think drove some people away. But I actually I don't mind it. I think it looks perfectly fine, and the characters really spring to life when they move. Everything in this game looks good, and then you see it in motion, you see how graceful everything looks and like the only thing I could put a little bit of a complaint about is there's a couple of fully animated cutscenes in this game, and there's also portraits for the characters. Those are a little off model sometimes um. They don't feel as crisp as, like, the in-game sprites. But, I mean, that's, like, a small thing in the, lar- in the larger context of everything. And the final moments of this game look amazing, because you're essentially around a volcano. And just, like, the heat effects, the lava, everything looks so good. And especially, you could factor in, it was all drawn and animated and designed by one person.
1: That takes so, a lot. Yeah.
0: And you've got to give him credit for sticking with an aesthetic despite, you know, probably knowing that it was going to cause a little bit of split in the fan base or split in people not wanting to play it or not. It's basically he had a vision for it and he stuck with it. And I give him good props for that. For the music and sound for this game, the sound effects are all really good. They're all original for the game. Like you don't hear like stock sound effects a lot. Um, with the soundtrack, I'm kind of on two sides of it. One... It's very good. Everything's well-composed. It's just some of it kind of fades into the background of the combat sound effects, and so you don't really hear it as well. And it's okay in some areas where it's just kind of more used as adding to the aesthetic and being a bit, you know, just you want to hear it in the background as you're going through. So like when you're in the caves, it's like this peaceful kind of dark theme. Um, but when you're in boss fights, you want to be able to hear the music a little bit more, especially during like the first big boss fight against the character Fuse. Especially because the music is just really good, you want to be able to hear it. But when you get to the final section of the game and the final boss and the ending, it's some of the best musical moments in the entire game. And I love the theme that plays during the credits. Uh, when I bought this for the, for, through the Humble Bundle, I actually got a copy of the soundtrack, and I love listening to it. And finally, here's the part of Dust that I think props it above just like some of the games that just go, ooh, we're going to do a Metroidvania-type game or just do like a hack-and-slash thing, is the story of this game. It does a really good job just overall. Like, the pacing of it is perfect. The game starts off telling a story of, like, how there are many different tales, and this is just one of them. So basically it sets up, like, they could do more ta- like stories in this universe if they wanted to. And it starts off with a shadowed figure that you control, and it gives you the controls immediately and says, press X or square, whatever your attack button is, to wage war. And basically you're fighting and killing what looks just to be shit silhouettes of like farmers. And after a short narration, you start the game as a character named Dust, who wears like this hat over his head. He kind of looks like an assassin. And he's joined by a talking sword, which the talking sword actually, it's not... Played for laughs that the sword can talk oh um, I
1: want to make a, bit a col- Bugs bunny singing sword joke
0: no not that but I mean they do have people that be like this guy's so cool he's got a talking sword <laughs> you know the, the game actually has like a relatively dark storyline to it especially once you figure out what is actually going on in this game um, but it also has a good sense of humor and you're also joined by I mentioned earlier you have a little companion named fidget who's this little... She's called a Nimbat. She floats around and can do little attacks. And she actually provides a lot of the snark in this game. And while at first I was afraid she was going to turn out to be like a Sonic companion, you know, annoying as hell with no redeeming qualities whatsoever...
1: Yeah, that covers about it. 95% of Sonic characters.
0: She's actually not. Like, there are points here and there where she, I, you know, she's a little grating. But overall, I actually really like the character... And she also provides a lot of the humor in the game, too, where she'll do little fourth wall poking moments where at one point you have to do a side – you can do a side quest where you collect sheep for one of the farmers. And so the first time you grab the sheep, the sheep just disappears and goes in your inventory because, you know, it's a video game. All of a sudden, the game stops, and Fidget goes, dust? He's like, what? Did you just put that sheep into your inventory? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> and they even make like a little. Re- yeah. They do like. And they do like a little Resident Evil 4 reference, actually, because you meet a shadowy merchant. And he goes, and I will buy like items off of you. And she goes, ah, he'll buy them at a high price. And he goes, like, yes, I, I believe I will. <laughs> Just like the little stuff like that. It's really fun little moments. And she actually becomes like a real endearing character, especially during like the darker scenes. And I I really don't want to spoil the story for this game because as you like as I said, it kinda of gradually goes and even in the moments that feel like they're just kinda a of little bit fetch questy, you find out like outside of of course some of the side quests, um, you find out that they're part of a part of the bigger storyline. And what certain moments seem to be like little simple things like go and see where these monsters are coming from turns into a big moment or find out why the water has stopped in this area turns into a really big moment and leads to one of the like the saddest moments in the game. You need to play this game not just because it plays really well, but because the story is so unique and so well done. this game ends on a great moment and it does actually leave room for a sequel but it also wraps things up perfectly so that you completely feel satisfied with the game. Okay. This game, I'm assuming people overlook because of the visual aesthetic. It was a download-only title. And, of course, you'd fall into people and are like, oh, it's just the Symphony of the Night clone. It's not. It doesn't... It, differentiates itself in very important ways, and actually makes reference to Symphony of the Night, is the very first item you find after destroying a wall is a quote-unquote mysterious wall chicken that you can use to restore your health.
1: (laughs) Although technically, (laughs) Castlevania is roast beef in the wall.
0: Yeah, this is true, but still, it's a nice little reference. It's a nice shout-out. So, yeah, you can... And it's one of those games where you can tell how much passion went into the making of it. Like, there's a lot of games you can play where it's like, okay, they were just doing their job. But then there's games like this where you could tell this was the vision of one person and all the people that helped him make it. Yeah, if you have not played this game, go out and get it. Get it on the 360. Get it on the PC. Get it on the PS4. Whichever of the three. Get this game and experience it. You will not be disappointed. All right. What's our... <laughs>
1: Do I need to start stop before I take a break or?
0: Uh, yeah, we'll take a quick break and then Pete will go into his game home.
1: chose for this is home and i picked this up through steam for my pc years a couple years ago through a promotional deal i think i got it for like maybe a buck and about it's right. not that expensive right now if you were to run out and buy it maybe like three or four so i'm looking that up right now yes yeah, 2.99 on steam so, <laughs> and it's simplistic in nature it's pixel art, and, so, and in an era where sprites are almost unheard of, um, you can definitely tell it's, it, a lot of love was put into this game. Kind of like Jeremy's, there was one guy pretty much solely responsible by the name of ben, ben Rivers, and it's come out for five platforms, iOS, PC through Steam, maybe another platform or two, Mac, probably again through Steam, PS Vita, and PS4. What it lacks in, I guess, what you call good graphics when we're talking is um, it is just sheer atmosphere. And uh, this is a horror game at its finest. Not because, you know, you see terrible things like Corpse Party. Right, Jeremy?
0: <laughs> <laughs> a Corpse Party is scary for many other reasons. Many reasons. This but, is more of a yeah. murder
1: mystery, but the thing, the, what makes this game a horror game is that if you have any kind of a sleuthing mind, you genuinely don't know where it's going to go, and that's kind of the thrill of it. It's simplistic in its nature, uh, but that's the best part to kind of unnerve you the entire time. There's no supernatural force in this game. There's no um, killer animatronics to kill you with jump scares. Don't get me wrong. I like the Five Nights at Freddy's series. But it's jump scares.
0: Don't worry, people, I won't throw in a sound effect of it like I did in one of the other podcasts.
1: Scree? Yeah. Yeah, this game is just as it as it is, it's just all it is is just atmosphere and just the sense of you don't know what I think. Here's from this is straight from the developer. Quote Home is a unique horror adventure set in a beautifully realized pixel world. It's a murder mystery with a twist, because you decide ultimately what happens. Awakened by an oncoming storm, you open your eyes to discover yourself in a strange, dark room, tucked away ho- in a house that's not yours. And yeah, this has multiple endings, depending on what items or areas you go to. I won't spoil where the plot goes, because ultimately, the story can change based on this. But, surprise, suffice to say, I had my first couple of playthroughs, I had no idea really what to expect. And essentially, it's got some basic... Fantasy game elements, you you can you only have a flashlight for a company to start you off, but you can pick up some minor items along the way. How and where you use them kind of changes the flow of the game. So, all you know in the game is that, A, there's been a recent murder, because you find traces of blood not only in, in the house you are, but on you. And the game keeps mentioning your wife, Rachel, probably somewhere in the area. The game is eerie. Sto- and it's just... I think it's just a fun one to play in the middle of the night with all the lights off. So. The visuals again are just all pixel art, but that's not a bad thing. It kind of adds to this minimalist nature. The music and sound is intense to stay on the quiet and creepy side, being unobtrusive as as possible. It adds kind of a nature game, making you feel really alone in a good way. Kinda of like how the first Metroid did.
0: So it's like really atmospheric music.
1: Exactly. So I would wait obscurity level medium. It was definitely promoted on Steam, so that's probably where it gets most of its play. But uh, as of right now, it's only got 1,300 reviews on Steam. But yeah, I honestly say it's a good game.
0: Yep. And I actually I just looked up the um, PSN version, and if you, it's five bucks on there. But if you buy it off the of PSN, you get the PlayStation 4 and Vita versions. Oh, there you go. So it's a cross-buy title.
1: I mean, that's it. Now, as an honor, as a bonus here. Jeremy, do you have a game you're really looking forward to coming out this year?
0: Um, at the moment actually next month there's three of them coming out and um a couple of them are more lower key releases. Uh one of them is a game called Atelier Sophie. If you've never played the Atelier games before, it's a series of JRPGs that they don't involve like saving the world from ultimate destruction or Things like that. They're mainly about you play as an alchemist in each one who basically is just very charming characters, very simple setting in like their hometown, and you're just out to have an adventure. And each one does a good job with the characters. Each one does a good job with the humor. The story is always interesting. Um, I've actually been recently playing Atelier Challey, which came out last year on the PS3 and I really like it. Um, You get to choose between two different characters. Both of them end up actually having their nickname as Shally, and the one I picked, she's, like, I like the character, because it's someone who's just, like, really low on the totem pole in her town and wants to become an adventurer, wants to do more, knows that she has, like, a calling in life, but just can't figure out what it is. And it's really nice. I really like these games, and there's a brand new one coming out next month for the PS4. For
1: me, and... Uh, Yeah, this is – it's not that I even enjoy the show all that much, but the South Park fractured butthole coming out. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. Um, I get it. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked the first one, The Stick of Truth, so damn much that I'm really looking forward to the next one. Don't get me wrong. The Stick of Truth is as foul as anything they have ever done on that show. It's nice to say there are some really gross jokes. In-game. But the game is a really well put... The Stick of Truth was a really well put together traditional RPG. And the second one is based on their superhero mythos. Like, all the the kids have their own superhero identities. Oh, yeah. So I am... And, of course, Butters is, of course, going to be one of the major villains. So, hell. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Ever since Nintendo pushed off the next (laughs) Zelda to next year... (laughs)
0: starting to regret that wii u purchase (laughs) a little yeah you and the four other people that bought it this month
1: although smash brothers 4 and and uh the super mario uh super mario world 3d is that it
0: super mario 3d world Yeah, yeah thank you those are both
1: fun as hell and i'm gonna get mario maker eventually
0: you need to get Mario Maker. It is, dude. You have no idea how addictively fun the level creation tool is in that game.
1: Well, I hope it's hope it sells better than the freaking Mega uh, Mega Man Powered Ups uh, level creation tool. That didn't do very well at all.
0: Yeah, I don't know. The Wii U is actually it has actually sold wor- well, easily sold worse than the PSP ever did.
1: Mm.
0: Um, they have it is actually Nintendo's worst selling console of all time. If you virtual don't count, vir, I was going to say, if you don't count the virtual boy okay. and you only count their home consoles, okay, is there worst selling home console of all time? Huh? It is sold 12.8 million. The second worst selling was the GameCube, which sold 22 million. Fair enough. Yeah.
1: Oh. Okay, we need to briefly comment on this. Mm-hmm. Japan's putting on a full metal alchemist live action movie. Huh? Yeah, I think we may need to do a live reaction to that.
0: That'd be kind of cool. I actually recently found there's a live-action Corpse Party movie. Oh, God. No,
1: I, I, I'm not doing it. it.
0: No, I'm not saying we do it. I, I actually watched through the whole thing, and it's really good. Like, you can tell where some of the budget constraints were in it, but it was very well put together.
1: All right, so that and, should wrap us up. What do we got next? Oh, yes, Turtle Month. But before we get yep. into that, we need to tell these nice people where they can find us. Jeremy?
0: Well, you can find us at frustratedpodcast.com. dot com. All the episodes go up there. You can look back at our entire backlog of episodes, everything back to the first episode, which we try to forget, but that's our story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's better than other shows, for shows and stuff. You know, it wasn't that bad. It was
1: awkward. Let's be honest.
0: It was awkward. We were still finding our place. I think the. Uh, Actually, speaking of Turtle Month, I think our third episode, which was Ninja Turtles, where we really started falling into our groove, Agreed. where I go on an unscheduled five-minute rant about how the, the Turtles have a crappy B-team. <laughs> 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 uh, you can also find us on iTunes under the Frustrated Fan, we're on Google Play Podcasts under the same name. Yep. Next month is, is we're doing- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Month, Teenage Mutant <laughs> Ninja Turtle Month, Heroes in a Half Shell, all of June.
1: We're going to do the rapid fire episodes like we did last December. We're going to do four this month. We're going to focus on uh, what? What's the first one we got up?
0: The very first one we got up is the 2007 CG Ninja Turtles movie TMNT.
1: Uh, that was more like a movie that the Turtles were shrewhorned into, but that's just my two cents. <laughs> we'll get to that. Our
0: I haven't I haven't rewatched it in a while, so this should be interesting. Our
1: second episode will be looking at the character Slash over the, over the franchise.
0: And my god, just like the Rat King, he changes a lot, and uh, yeah. luckily, no nightmare fuel this time. Mostly not. Uh, Mostly gonna not, We're going to have but... to bring him up <laughs> in the
1: video games, because, yeah. Oh yeah. He haunts my nightmares from Turtles in Time.
0: He Haunts My Nightmares from Turtles 3, I believe. Yeah. It was when he was we have the-
1: Turtles Forever as our third episode. Yay! I love just that movie. A t-
0: That's
1: just to butter us up for... <laughs>
0: the first Michael Bay-produced Ninja Turtles movie, just in time for the new one. And you know what? I say we tell people, if we have time... Because uh, I know you just recently made me purchase it, and you recently purchased it. Well, th- we since the new movie is named after it has something to do with it. Ninja Turtles out of the shadows. <laughs> with with only it's got a moment we really wish we had recorded because it is Pete's favorite moment of all time when the two of us have played a video game outside of him grenading the shit out of me in Halo. Tucker
1: did it. <laughs> Yep.
0: So look forward to that, Turtle fans. It's going to be fun and painful. Take care, everyone. Bye, then. Remember when I said I wouldn't put the Five Nights at Freddy's scream in? I lied.